0: That's chumbacasino.com. dot com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.
0: Talk Recorded live. Psalm one good? for forty four.
1: <laughs> yeah. Psalm <yeah. laughs> one. Yeah, Psalm one forty four is what I am going to read. Start now. With, so, okay. Well, that's good. This is uh, nothing but the truth. It's my journey to find it, and. uh, Larry Phils will be sharing my journey, and uh, Chris, from there in California, and uh, you'll find the truth I discovered in the Word of God. <clears throat> Some are slower than others at figuring this out. I'm one of them. Anyways, uh, Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord by strength which teacheth my hands to war and fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress. My high tower, my deliverer, my shield, he is whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Interesting. You can hear (laughs) us talking. Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that patheth away. Bow, thy heavens, O Lord, and come down and touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows and destroy them. Send thy hand from above and rid me and deliver me out of the great waters from the hand of the strange children. Whose mouth speaketh vanity, and the right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon the psalmstre uh, uh, the psalm stry, stry, and an instrument of ten strings. will I sing praise unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings who delivereth. David, his servant from the hurtful sword, rid me and deliver me from the hand of the strange children, of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, their right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that their daughters may be as cornstalks, polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners. May be full, affording all manners a store. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and tens of thousands in our streets. That our oxen may be strong to labor. That there be no breaking in, in nor going out. That there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case a happy people whose God is the Lord. was going to Psalm 144. And now we're going to go into uh, Isaiah 15 and 16. seems like more than just coincidence. We landed on Psalm 144, seeing that we're going to be talking about, reading about a heck of a time, of time of war and, uh, and, uh Looking at uh, Moab and uh, the other cities there around Judah and what happened to those folks and uh, the violence of that day. Apparently, sometime around 715 BC, maybe, some say. Yeah, yeah. Not, not quite sure. Of course, we weren't there and the records aren't that, that great. We'll do our best to figure this out so that we'll start out with uh, chapter 15 verse 1 the burden of Moab because in the night our of Moab is laid waste and brought to silence because the king Kerr of Moab is laid waste and brought to silence what are we talking about here gentlemen What's your take on this? What's over to you, Larry?
2: Well, of course, this is a lament. I mean, it's uh, Isaiah's lamenting over Moab state, you know, and the fact that what it's just gone through and um, you know, it's almost like a dead it's like a dead city. I mean it's just Of course, you know, we're going to see in the next chapter that he's going to prophesy against Moab and so on. And a lot of this is going to come, you know, is going to come into fruition even before he prophesies against it. Uh, This is really, I think, just a reaction to, um, you know, the fact that God has, you know, brought you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious when God removes his hand or when God brings judgment, uh, we're going to see that these people are going to go go into uh, weeping and lamenting over what has happened to them.
1: Right. The Mo- the, so Moab is a city, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's also, uh, you know, a person. Um, but of course, we know that every every time that or not every time but oftentimes when it's referring to a person it's also referring to his offspring right or to a group of people so just kind of like when we when we go into talking about Ephraim or Jacob or or the 12 tribes of Israel you know uh usually it's not just one singular person
0: all right
2: Chris, what do you uh, you have any comments on that?
0: Well, oh, no, I'll just I just like to listen.
2: Okay, I, I'd like to read
1: just a little bit here. Well, this uh, is from Easy English Info slash Bible Commentary slash Isaiah thirteen through twenty three. Anyways,
2: well, hold, hold on, hold on. Can you tell me because I just kind of like to know. There, I'll send this. I, to you. I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. can you send that to me, and I'll, I'd like to know who you're taking it from so I can this – is, this, this is not uh, – uh, first of all, it's not
1: – this is just commentary. It's historical. It's not uh, – this is not yeah. a doctoral opinion, so I'm not interested in their opinion. So. But the, this seems to be pretty accurate. I mean, accurate actors we're going to get right this moment. So anyways, I'm going to oh. read this, and I just sent it in the chat room if you want to look at it. And uh, chapter 15 says a message about Moab. And I just want to read this. I love it. It's uh, verse 1 Isaiah wrote in the Hebrew language. Hebrew word for a serious message means burden. A heavy load that someone has to carry. Read the end in the notes before Isaiah uh, chapter 13. And we do not know who the enemy was. It was, may have been the soldiers of Assyria... They came to the north, or perhaps it was the people that lived in the east from Moab. They lived in the desert. They destroyed the city called Ar, which perhaps was the capital of Moab. They also destroyed Kerr City. Ar was south of Arnon River, and Kerr was 40 kilometers south of Ar. Arnon River flowed into the Dead Sea on the east side about halfway down, Moab was mostly the south side of the river, but a few cities on the river's north side were in Moab. Moab, the people are silent. Uh, that, that might sound as if the people were completely quiet, but they did not make noise. A lot of noise. Verse verse two, three, and four. We learn a lot of uh, learn that the people of Moab cried, but the loud silence here means that they. Had nothing to say to their enemy. Their enemy had ruined them. Anyway, so um, I want to. If it's all right with you, before going further, I'm going to read the rest of this. It's not very long. It's just a few. It, this is just for a historical and to geographical understanding of what we're reading here, because um, quite frankly, I think there's a lot of people like myself that didn't quite know this. <laughs> so, unfortunately, this is this is not doctoral. This is not. Necessarily the absolute truth, but it's the best that I uh, could find in such a short time. Mom. Verse 2, Dibon D- D- was seven kilometers north of Arnon River. The temple was probably on a hill, a high, high places near Dibon. Here the temple was a special house where the people prayed to their god. Their god's name was Chemish, Nebo, and Mediba were towns north uh were towns north of Dibon. The people of Nebo and Bede- Deba had cut off their hair and beards they did that to show that they were sad, that they were also ashamed. And the first three the people also wore hair clothes which were very rough and ugly. Those clothes were not comfortable to wear. That also showed that the people were sad and ashamed. In verse 4, Heshbon and Ilela were further north of Nebo. But the people in Heshbon and Elilah I guess it's Ela towns made most of the noise the people heard in a long distance away. Even the people of Jahaz, a town over 30 kilometers away, could hear the sound. It must have been one heck of a sound. The evil word, words at the end of the verse means this, his heart trembled in him. It could mean that the soldiers are afraid or it could refer to a whole nation called Moab. It probably means both. The Jews believed, that the people thought in their hearts verse 5 we may wonder who cried aloud in his heart because of Moab many Bible students say that this means Isaiah but in verse 9 we believe that the God himself is speaking in this section because it is God who will make more bad things happen God will punish the people of Moab because they are proud in Isaiah sixteen six, but That makes God sad. So God cries aloud in his heart because of Moab. This is a special type of sad poem. It starts with, it is true. First section of the chapters. The chapter also starts like that in verse 1. The people of Moab are now refugees. Refugees are people that are running away from their own home. They are running away from danger somewhere safer. Zor is south of the Dead Sea. So probably the other three places were there too. Enemies was probably near Arnon River. That was the north of the that was north of the country. Uh, Nimrim, Nimrim was south. This is verse six, and it was near the south end of the Dead Sea. And we do not know whether the enemies destroyed the crops of the field. Perhaps bad weather destroyed them. And verse seven. Wadi Arabim, I guess, was a stream. It divided Moab, the country called Edom. Edom was the south side of the Moab. The refugees took little food that they found in their fields. They also took their savings. Then they went to Edom. It was probably safer there. Some of the refugees went to Judah, Isaiah 16, 1-5. Arabim, Arabim. The type of tree. Bible students are not sure what type of tree it was. <clears throat> Verse 8 The students do not know where Ig, I guess it's Ig, ig Lam Yim, something like that, and Beer Lim were. The whole chapter is Isaiah's sad poem to show how unhappy he is about Moab. It is true prayers nine times in nine verses. These words are very important in this chapter. In verse 9, perhaps people threw dead bodies in the water of Dimon. and would explain why blood fills the waters. Then they could not drink the water. Many Bible students think that Dimon is the same place as Dibon in verse 2. The lion is a special description of the soldiers that will kill the refugees from Moab. But we may ask what will happen to those people that remain in Moab. Bible students do not agree about how to translate this part. The Hebrew words mean, and for those that remain, land. Some of the Bible students say that it means those people that remain will get land. Other Bible students say that it is that it means this, a lion waits for those people that remain in that country. We cannot say, now who is right, the same Hebrew word can mean either land or country. So with that, I appreciate you enduring that, but I thought it was good to have a little bit of some kind of references to read this in these two chapters, because, well, quite frankly, we've got a little bit of historical
2: reference to if we can go off different tangents. So,
1: with that, I will let you gentlemen carry on with the reading of the two uh, Well, i got,
2: I got a comment. Uh, oh, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, think, I think some of that is good. Uh, being in Bible studies, I'll just be honest. I think that uh, if I had my rathers, I would stick with comparing Scripture with Scripture rather than getting into a lot of man-centered ideas. That's what you've been reading by their own admission. For an example, the 48th chapter of Jeremiah gives a little bit better exhaustive understanding of this um, judgments against Moab foretold, um, which might clear up a lot of the historical... Should should we read that? Should we read that first? Well, I think I think uh, we don't have to read the whole chapter. My only, my only. Well, I think it'd be good for me, because for me, because you know the historical of <laughs> uh, it. It is confusing let just, when I read. it. Let me yeah, right. let me just finish my comment, if you would. I uh, there's a lot of commentaries out there, as you know, and there's a lot of commentaries that call themselves historical. Uh, you cannot, whether you're talking about you know Phillips commentary. Um, this guy that's talking right now, not the Phillips commentary. <laughs> right. Um, you know, for every every opinion, there's another opinion. You know, and so what gets really confusing is when you get <sighs> multiple multiple opinions about it. And I, you know, and I'm not sure. I'm not saying there's not some value in looking at what other people have to say about it. Um, from a historical perspective, but,
0: uh, well, basically uh, for
1: me, that, that I, that I wanted out of that was more the, uh, geographical, uh, understanding and where we're talking, where we're, and who are we talking about here? Because quite frankly, I don't know much about Moab <laughs> or the Moabites.
0: So, so, well,
1: that's true. I nice. offers,
0: you know, for this, it is not God using Assyria to, uh, to judge Moab on their way to destroying the ten northern tribes?
2: Seems well, yes, and, I, and, and yes, that's exactly what's happening, but yet, uh, you know, you look at, uh, if, you, if you go back to the 48th chapter of Isaiah, I mean, I mean, of Jeremiah, we find that uh, there's a... Moab, <laughs> he had a, you know... God's judgment was upon him in a lot of different for a lot of different reasons. You know, if you look at the 42nd verse there, I think it answers that question exactly. What is God's judgment? and Why? It says Moab shall be destroyed from being a people because he hath magnified himself against the Lord. Right? I mean, that's really what it is about. That's what this whole study is about. Is that? Um, You know, in verse 38 of 48, it says, There shall be a lamentation generally upon all the housetops of Moab, and in the streets thereof, for I have broken Moab like a vessel wherein is no pleasure, saith the Lord. And so I think the, uh, but of course, as that chapter ends, 47, Jeremiah 48, Yet will I bring again the captivity of Moab in the latter days, saith the Lord. Thus far is the judgment of Moab. So maybe I'm a simpleton, but I think it just goes back to the issue of the pride factor again. You know, Moab had magnified himself against the Lord. He wasn't coming under the Lord's authority, and so God said enough is enough. And, uh, of course, how he used it Uh, with other peoples, of course, can be uh, gone through here. Um, In verse 3, it says, In their streets they shall gird themselves with sackcloth on the tops of their houses, and in their streets everyone shall howl weeping abundantly, and Hishbon shall cry, and Elah, their voices, shall be heard uh, even unto Jahaz. Therefore the armed soldiers of Moab shall cry out, his life shall be grievous unto him. And... uh, if you want to read, Chris, maybe from 5 down to uh, the end of the chapter, then maybe we can all make some comments about our thoughts on that.
0: All right, Isaiah 15, chapter 5. My heart shall cry out for Moab, his fugitives shall flee unto Zoar, a heifer of three years old, for by the mounting up of Lewis. And weeping shall they go it up. For in the way of Koranayim, they shall raise up a cry of destruction. For the waters of Nimrim shall be desolate. For the hay is withered away, the grass faileth, there is no green thing. Therefore the abundance they have gotten, and that which they have laid up, shall they carry away to the brook of the willows. For the cry is gone round about the borders of Moab, the howling thereof of Egliam, and the howling thereof unto Ber Elam. For the waters of Diamond shall be full of blood, for I will bring more upon Diamond, lions upon him that escapeth of Moab, and upon the remnant of the land. Mike Michael
1: yes I just muted myself good stuff (laughs) I guess I guess good stuff you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of all the things throughout history in Europe and even what's going on with quote unquote ISIS and you see the videos of them just throwing the bodies in the river what is up with these people uh, wanting to throw bodies in the river what's up with that
0: yeah, I
1: mean, it seems to be uh, one of the it's this reoccurring thing that these they do. They like, throw the bodies in the river. It is this. You look at uh, what happened in France during the French Revolution, and uh, it was a Bar- Bartholomew's massacre that, that happen then, and then, uh, and it, what's up with that? <laughs> 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 I don't. I'm sorry. I mean, it's it's not when well, it's a very sad story, and it's it's not very – well, I, I don't find it very edifying or spiritual. It doesn't really – it's just, it's disturbing stories of what it is, isn't it?
2: Well, yeah, it is, of course. you know,
1: Makes me, makes uh, me think of Obama. What's going to happen to this country? You got guys – of course, Obama doesn't really run the show, but they got guy like him for strutting him out there like he's the next Moab. You know? What the heck?
0: <laughs> you know, Great analogy. What, Great, great analogy.
2: Yeah, it is. It's you know, it's uh, I think you know, it's like we were talking on Walls Broadcast. You know, you you look at the historical events in the Old Testament, and you can you know you can see a mirror of what's you know. There's nothing new under the sun. Also, that uh, you can also. Uh, In each of these chapters, you can compare what was going on in a little bit different time frame right in the Old Testament uh, over and over and over. Uh, I mean, you can even go to Numbers. uh, You'll see in the 21st chapter of Numbers and the 33rd chapter of Numbers, this reduplicating itself all over again. We we don't need to go there, but... um, uh, but, you know, if you look again back into the um, the uh, 48th chapter of Jeremiah, I think it's really good. It says in the 11th verse, Moab hath been at ease from his youth, and he hath settled on his leaves, and he hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore, and, you know, you all have heard that. This is therefore, this is in the the reason this is therefore, because therefore, you know. Here's why it's here for His taste remain in him, and his scent is not changed. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I will send him wonders that shall cause him to wonder, and shall empty his vessels and break their bottles. So, uh, you know, and so when verse 15 it says, Moab is spoiled and gone up out of her cities, and his chosen young men are gone down to the slaughter, saith the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Notice it's referring there to Christ. Um, and so Christ is the one that is coming against this. uh says in the next verse, the calamity of Moab, verse 16, near to come, and his affliction hasteth fast. All ye that are about him, bemoan him. And all ye that know his name, say, how is the strong staff broken? And the beautiful rod, and so on. And, uh, so then down in 20, he says that he's confounded. Moab is confounded, for he's broken down. Howl and cry, tell it, he, he had it in Arnon, that Moab is spoiled. And, um, so anyway, in verse twenty-six, make ye him drunken, for he magnified himself against the Lord. I have done that many times in my life. You know, we all have. We've magnified ourselves against Christ. You know, and in so many different ways. I mean, um, and uh, Moab shall also wallow in his vomit and he also shall be in derision. You know, I've wallowed in my vomit, not literally. I know a lot of people involved in alcoholism have done that, but I've wallowed in my uh, lack of, um, you know, filled up with myself vomit and he also shall be in derision. And um, so anyway, thats I think that's the spiritual implications of this uh, judgment uh, Moab, you know, because he's just magnified himself, and and uh, you know, I don't know if you want to read in the 16th chapter, Michael. Start us out on that one.
1: Sure, uh, chapter 16 of
2: Isaiah, verse one. Send ye the lamb
1: to rule, to the ruler of the land of Zela to the wilderness unto the mount of the daughter of Zion. Uh, When he says here, send ye the lamb to the ruler, what is he he talking about there? Well, this
2: again is a prophecy against Moab and we're going to see as we go on down. um, You know, it's not (laughs) <laughs> it's not a good it's not a good lamb at whatever the lamb is, okay? <laughs> because <laughs> what I mean is the lamb's not gonna bring good, not good. good tidings. He's gonna he's gonna prophesy against it. You know, we can see that in verse ten where it says, Gladness is taken away and joy out of the plentiful field and in the vineyards there shall be no singing. So it's not <laughs> uh, all I can say is that, you know, lamb is not capitalized there. Um but I think it's a messenger of... Well, I think it'll, we'll go on down through. We'll see a little bit more what the message is. Okay. Uh, you want me to read, or Chris, was you like... Sure. Line? Sure. Go ahead, sure. and then maybe maybe we can each read, like, four verses, and then we can stop, and, and each of us can make any comments we have. Okay, I'll read, I'll read up to verse
1: four here. Uh,
2: For it shall be that as a wandering
1: bird cast out of the net, so the daughters of Moab shall be at the fords of Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment, make thy shadow as the night in the midst of the noonday. Hide thou cast, uh, bere, not him that wandereth, let him that mine. I'll cast well with thee, Moab. Be thou a covert to them that them from the face of the spoiler. For the, exec, the extortioner is a an end, and the spoiler ceased, and the oppressors are consumed out of the land. <clears throat> well. Sounds like there's always been a bunch of, even to today, there's a bunch of extor- <laughs> extortioners and spoilers. and uh, It uh, makes you think. I mean, when I read this, and I know it's a bit of a date, it's dangerous to do this. Um, when we all have a tendency to do this, but it's to
2: project into our own time. I don't uh, think, I, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's dangerous. What I mean is, you know. Uh, the reason I say I don't think it's dangerous, put it this way, um, throughout the New Testament, Christ uses Isaiah to identify what is happening in that day, in the day that he is. Uh, and so I don't think it's necessarily a futuristic position to apply uh, prophetic utterances from Isaiah to well, to us. In other well, words, I I, think
1: I, I, sh- I wasn't thinking about the prophetic, I was thinking about more just you know, because uh, we weren't there contextually. There's a bit of a danger involved. But at the same time it it can help but because we're we you know we base most of, a lot of how we operate on well, what we know and our own experience and and it sounds you know, it's it's just like we said earlier, there's nothing new under the sun and It just seems eerily familiar to our day that people have always been the same. (laughs) Right. There's been God's elect, His people, and the rest, and the rest. uh, Well, you see, you know, they're throwing their bodies in rivers and extortioners and and
2: uh, etc. You know,
1: spoilers. It just goes on and on. It's a
2: well, and it's like we were talking about earlier regarding why this judgment's coming on Moab is because of his own pride, and we're going to see that even further demonstrated down in verse six, and and also we'll see it further demonstrated back over to the uh, parallel chapter in forty-eight Isaiah in, uh, um, in verse twenty-nine. So yeah, I mean it's you know it's a result of sin. It's a result of man-centered sinnerness uh, and God has never ceased to hate it. He doesn't hate it today, and He didn't hate it back then. So,
0: that was, uh, they, you know, they threw him. They, remember, it says uh, anybody that escaped Moab, the lions will get him.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so there's there's virtually no escape from Moab. This is how heavy God's judgment is on Moab. The lions get you if you even get out of the city and escape right. the Syrians but at the same time uh they throw the bodies that bodies in the river to pollute the water. I mean you know what a a, a, a decaying body is yep. putrefied and uh and and any waters around in and around that area is gonna be just so polluted, just so mucked up that uh yeah. that you know uh they won't There'll be no drinking of water, and lions get the remnant of those who escape. And could you imagine with the great populations? See, I believe, I agree with you, uh, uh, Larry, uh, and Michael, you don't have a problem there with uh, an, being uh, seeing the analogy of, of our, our country in our day. With our vast population, could you imagine what can take place with dead bodies heaped up and the and the plagues that result as a re, you know from that? I mean but no there is no escape from Moab and uh yeah they're on their way to uh to the ten northern tribes, you know, yeah. ultimately. It
1: reminds me of World War Two, is what reminds me of the images of Dresden or the Eastern Front and the wars between uh, Germany and Russia, and the, I mean, we 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 can't even comprehend. I mean, in fact, it just gets on and on. I mean, if you look at uh, what happened uh, in World War One, and uh, the number of people that died is on the British side fighting the Turks in the, or the Ottoman Empire, in northern Africa, the Middle East, that realize I feel- this, but A million men died.
0: In that oh, yes. war
1: but just i I'm, were... I'm not talking about the the Western Front, I'm not talking about France you know I'm talking about North Africa and the Middle East, and when you know, Britain took over uh, Jerusalem and the number of men that died in just that one portion of the war a million they don't talk oh, about yeah. that ever but that's Angel. that's all.
0: All these wars are predicated on little men in suits. We call I call them bankers' wars. That's what predicates. That's what is is the whole origin of all warfare. Comes yeah. from the, the banks. It's all about the banks. It, well, then, it was, was all a, about the money good, exchange.
1: A good a good book is called uh, Babylonian Woe, if you understand, because it's it's not just the banks. It's always been a combination of the banks and the priestcraft. If you look yeah. at uh, World War II, and who propped up Hitler and Stalin and Mao, uh, it was Rome and the Jesuits, along with the bankers financing it. And uh, it's just...
0: Both sides.
1: Like, in fact, when I think of Moab, I think of Hitler, and I think of Stalin, and I think of Mao. and <laughs> That's what I think of. <laughs>
0: yeah, hey, you never hear about never hear about Mao killing uh, 80 million of his own people, or even Stalin killing 60 million, and especially the Ukrainian farmers, so he could feed his troops. All you hear about, because it's a Zion-controlled press in our day, Oy vey, the Jews and the six million, and there weren't six million that perished. Under uh, uh, Nazi Germany, that's a blown well, those, out report.
1: Those, those numbers, six million, were already posted in the newspapers as early as 1905, 1907. They were already projecting and planning out the number of six million. So, you know, this, we can go down many different bunny hip trails here. But the biggest thing is, is this whole thing about Moab and how you know, it seems like almost every generation a
2: Moab shows up. <laughs> well, you know, uh back to Larry one of Larry's favorite chapters, uh, which he alludes to a lot, uh, is like in Romans nine, you know, and by the way, Paul quotes Isaiah quite a bit in Romans nine, but he says, For the scripture saith for unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised the ep that I might show my power in thee, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Now, if you go down a little bit further, uh, I mean, you know, and in, in, uh, uh, you know, we see that that um, there's a lot of people that uh, want to change the Bible just just a little bit, just incrementally. Um, notice in verse 27 of. Romans 9, Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved.
0: That's spiritual yep.
2: Israel. Notice also, Isaiah is speaking in 29, as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been like Sodom and been likened to Gomorrah. Okay? And so the application, I think, you know, is is can be a spiritual application as it relates to like I started out this whole thing with Moab being uh haughty, like Pharaoh, he was haughty. Uh I'll just read down through the next four verses, starting with five. And in mercy shall the The throne be established, he shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment and hasting righteousness. We have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud, even of his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath. But his lies shall not be so. Um, Now let's go back to Jeremiah again, 48th chapter, and... We'll see, and I think it's good to to do uh, cross referencing because it shows, uh, beginning with the 28th verse um, O ye that dwell in Moab, leave the cities and dwell on the rock, and be like the dove that makest her nest in the sides of the hole's mouth. We have heard the pride of Moab, he is exceeding proud. His loftiness and his arrogancy and his pride and the haughtiness of his heart, I know his wrath, saith the Lord, but it shall not be so; his lies shall not so affect it so uh i think it's I think it's appropriate to liken Moab to Pharaoh, you know he had gotten to a point where he thought he have you ever met somebody that is just totally full of themselves, that they just, um, you know, they, and uh, we all are that way. I'm that way. Paul was that way. Paul said, I would have never known what? He said, I would have never known the law but for covetousness. Paul had a problem with covetousness. You know, the heart of the man is desperately wicked. Who could know it? And so uh, I know my own experience has been that when I get into that scenario, um, you know, all of a sudden I start seeing the chastisement of God, you know. And, if, you know, it's not that the the... The, pride, the proud uh, heart that the elect demonstrates that that sin has not been forgiven and covered, but it's a hindrance. You know, it's a, what I'm saying. It's a hindrance to being a good example. You know, to to those that are around us. I know I've been a hindrance many times, and I've had to ask God to forgive me over that. You know, and uh, anyway. So anyway, that last verse there, therefore shall Moab howl for Moab, everyone shall howl for the foundations of Kersha shall ye mourn, surely they are stricken. And I don't know, I thought, whose turn is it? I don't
1: know. <laughs> it's
0: Chris's turn now.
2: Not Chris. Why
1: well, you might as well just oh, finish oh, it up. Oh. we we'll just finish it up, Chris. Read uh, oh, sure. Uh, no, verse sorry. 8.
0: For the fields of Heshbon, languish, and the vine of Sibmath, the lords of the heathen have broken down the principal plants thereof, they are come unto Jezer, they wandered, the wilderness, her branches are stretched out, they are gone over the sea. Therefore I will bewail with the weeping of Jezer, the vine of Sidma. I will water thee with my tears, O Heshbon and Elilah, for the shouting of my summer fruits, and for thy harvest is fallen and gladness is taken away. In joy of the plentiful field, and in the vineyards there shall be no singing, neither shall there be shouting. The treaders shall tread out no wine. In presses I have made, shouting to cease. Wherefore my bowels shall sound like an harp for Moab, and mine inward parts for Kerharish. Kirha- And it shall come to pass, when it is seen that Moab is weary on the high place, that he shall come to his sanctuary to pray, but he shall not prevail. This is the word that the Lord hath spoken concerning Moab since that time. But now the Lord hath spoken, saying, Within three years, as the years of a hireling, and the glory of Moab shall be contemned. With all that great multitude and the remnant very small and feeble. (laughs) Feeble. Doesn't sound like a very good time. And
1: uh, (laughs) it's, you know, certainly uh, the future for this country or, or the world or any other country that follows the Moab, the leadership of Moab's um of course, we live today in a day and age where there's, in a system where there's not a Moab, there are Moabs, but, uh, I don't know, I mean, uh, Moab also kind of reminds me of somebody like a Pope Francis, and
2: uh, it's uh I don't, you know. Well, we would, we, we would certainly hope that hope uh, Francis would receive the same thing that Moab did. I don't, I, uh, you know, by all appearances, you know, it doesn't appear that that's going to happen. Uh, it seems as though God has, uh, you know, has, you know, I, I've often thought about this, and it could be, I could be totally wrong in my assessment, you know. But I believe that Pope Francis is a a judgment upon this nation and on the world. You know? It's a judgment coming against those who have perpetrated this lie for centuries. It's not only the Arminian lie, but of course the whole uh You know, the haughtiness, the man-centered religions. Uh, You know, of course, we know it's Jesuit-inspired from the first place, but God's the one that has allowed Jesuitism to excel. You know, there would be no Jesuits in the land if God had not allowed it, put it that way. (laughs) And so, (laughs) the Jesuits, uh, you you see this duplicity, you see this duality throughout Scripture, you see... Christ, you see Satan, you see uh, the, you know, you see the the Roman Catholic Church, and then you see the the Reformation's response, and then you see the Counter Reformation, and then you go on down through history, and you see you see this all the way through. Right now, we see uh, uh, a new, even wider and broader movement called the Ecumenical Movement, which was started in the Council of Trent. That term ecumenical was coined by the Roman Catholics. So what is God's answer to Pope Francis and the ecumenical movement and the worldwide religion that's now here? Well, we know that the final answer is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that is his quick answer. (laughs) But whether that is the case, I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I read the scriptures, and I read, you know, I heard a really good uh, thing about, you know, from a person the other day make the statement that, uh, you know, Christ is is the end of the law to righteousness. In other words, the end times began at the ministry of Christ or at the birth of Christ, you know that that's the end times. We're living in the end times, but we've been in the end times for you know 2016 years or whatever. So how long the end times are going to remain, I you know, that's not for me to decide. That's back to this pan eschatology. It's all going to pan out. I don't I don't make I don't make eschatology a point of fellowship. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't speak out against dispensational, futurist theology. You know? But I am not, you know, if someone says that they're trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they believe in election and predestination, and they're not denying uh, Christ, and they're upholding Him as as their only hope of salvation, then that's kind of like you were saying this morning, Chris, you know, this Uh, Geocentric, heliocentric position is not a salvation issue, but that still it is a biblical issue. In other words, (laughs) when once a person starts coming against the Bible in one area, what happens is that they start coming against it in many areas. So that's sort of my my take on that.
1: Yeah, and the thing is too is uh, as lovers of we should become lovers of truth. So we want to know the truth, especially about what our world is and what it looks like. And for my research, the fascinating thing, most fascinating thing of all, is it's 2016, and we don't know. If one is honest, and it takes time, it takes time to do this. I, I spent hundreds of hours of my life studying this, and I've come to the conclusion that we generally don't know what our world looks like. We think we do because of some. Uh, it's, uh, computer-generated imagery of uh, a round ball, but we don't know what it looks like. Now that's it's it's certainly leaning towards quote-unquote flat Earth, but in the end, we still don't even know that. You know, we really don't. God does not want us to know what uh, you know, what this place we call Earth looks like, which I find fascinating. But right. Besides, right. That, besides that, we should be wanting to know the truth and certainly not perpetuating lies. Now here's another thing. Going back to this whole thing about politics and uh, and it, you know you, you've been listening to Mike's uh, Mike's sermons, and all that. And it sounds like you have any like the whole thing about the end of the the end of the age, you know, the end of the world yeah, has started. Yeah. It started. And it's not just,
2: just my This it's not just Mike that holds that view. I mean, quite a number of. You know, go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. well, I never, Mike, even, i agree with Mike. I—I
1: I, I never thought of that, but I guess he's right. I mean, so we—we—it's been the end of the world for two thousand years, and I guess until the, the God is has has gathered his. I guess what would be the reason? I thing I think he's waiting for his his final his last elect individual comes to him is you know comes, he, or he brings him to him. I guess once his fish, his work is done, right? That's when the work is done. When he is <laughs> like a like a like a hen gathers all her chicks together, he drinks all his luck together, and then it's
2: over with, right? So yeah, and of course, in, you know, in, in the in the mind of God, I mean, in eternity, it's already accomplished. But yeah, in time, you want to call it in time. I mean, it's going to end up in eternity, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I guess that's right. When the last of the elect comes in to the fold, then the end comes, but it doesn't say that anywhere, but it alludes to that. You alluded perfectly there, Michael, uh, and gave me more definition in regard to that, because I always wondered about that. It's been said that when the last of the elect come in, then the end will come, but I've never found it in the book, but it seems reasonable, but... Maybe there is a specific verse that that points to that, but otherwise it's, uh, hopefully that is the case, and hopefully that will come about uh, sooner than later.
2: Yeah. Well, I think um, you could make a case, at least, Um, you know, and I know that a lot of people think I spend way too much time in the 24th chapter of Matthew, but... I think you could make a case for that there where it says that, uh, uh, let's see if I can find it here. Um, but that day and hour, Noah, no man, no angels from heaven, but as Noah, so shall also the son of the coming man be. And then it goes on and down. it says, um, uh, trying to find the portion that says that the day shall be shortened. Uh, here it is in the 22nd verse verse 21 for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be and except those days should be shortened there should be no flesh be saved but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened Shortened. and so um, you know it it seems like there's a correlation between um, you know the the tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be, and the day and the time the day shall be shortened, and Christ comes back, and then he says in verse thirty, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and so um yeah, I think there is a gathering. There's a gathering um of god's elect and uh and you're right, Chris. I think that that points to, in other words, and I know we've all heard this before, but I think it bears repeating there's no way you can add to or diminish from the kingdom of god that's god's deal <laughs> i mean god and by the way numbers. god doesn't God doesn't add to or diminish from his kingdom. it's fixed it's a decree, you know he said the words have gone out of my mouth. You know.
0: Oh, and brother, they they hate that. Yeah. Armenians hate hate that. Yeah. That yeah. that that uh, they can't just willy-nilly accept Jesus and be and be added to whatever number that is, and in other words, change times, numbers, seasons, and you know, break up the old landmarks and everything they're doing that the Bible says. Well, describes. see,
2: and, and the reason well, another reason they hate it so much is it it totally uh, destroys their uh, Arminian marketing.
0: Man-centered.
2: Yeah, their missionaryism. What I'm talking about is their their idea of this, you know, uh, throwing out this general gospel call to everybody, and also it's denying the false interpretation of... Second Peter three nine, and we talked about that before. You know, God is not willing that any should perish. Of course, God's willing that some people perish. If God wasn't willing that, if God wasn't willing that some people perish, then everybody's going to be in heaven. Okay, God, you right. can't thwart, you can't thwart God's will. That passage is very specific to as it relates to God's elect. God is not willing that any should perish to usward.
0: Speaking he's about not, the elect, yes. Yeah, so... But they they take it as the whole
2: world, all of them. Absolutely. Of the uh, every, every man without exception, you know. Yeah. So,
0: well, you know, know here's the other plot, side. But the fact is, there's a hell, and most people are going there.
2: Well, and, you know, yeah, I don't, yeah. See, We know I, that, but it's, I, when somebody asks me, you know, well, how do you know, you know, how can you prove that God, you know, didn't die for the sins of the whole world... You know the, the I think the correct answer is you know, well do you know of anyone that Christ uh, did not die for? I ask them that question. Can you think of anyone that Christ did not die for? And mostly if they're if they if they're a consistent Arminian, they'll say no. They'll say no. And then I just go back and I say, well then <clears throat> what about the Amorites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, you know, in other words, why would God command that the Israelites go out and slay utterly the Herg- you know, all these people, and, and including their children, and at the same time he died for them? Doesn't that Correct. seem a little duplicitous?
0: Well, they don't look at and, it like that. See, they think that they're in the New Testament and it's another...
2: <laughs> I know that, but I, I make sure I tell them, now, wait a minute, we're talking about You know, when you say that God is not willing that he should perish, you're referring to every person since Adam, correct? I make them, you know, agree to that. And so that's when I go. And then I say, okay, well, uh, did Christ die for Judas? Oh, yes, yes. He was a friend. Judas was a friend of Jesus, you know.
0: So he held up his heel against our Lord. That was prophesied long before this this betrayal.
2: then the final, the final thing I'll say, which that's usually when we, you know, when they choose to part company with me, is I ask them, you know, did Jesus Christ die for someone that he hated before they were born? You know. Well,
0: they'll and say they'll, that Jesus didn't hate everybody; he loves everybody.
2: Well, then I'll take them to Romans nine and say, well, here it says that. He hated Esau before he was born, before he even d- did any good or evil.
0: And they'll so take they, you – they'll say that, uh, well, he hated the Adamic nation.
2: Oh, so. I know. They'll change They'll change it, and that's when I usually say, look, you don't – you know, I'm sorry, you know, but, and, and that's when I get in trouble because that's when I have to learn not to be so cantankerous because I'll say you don't believe the Bible, you know? <laughs> They and, don't and,
0: believe the Bible, but, You know,
2: if you tell somebody they don't believe the Bible, then you're considered unloving, unkind, intolerant, despicable human being on the planet. On the face of the earth, I'm sorry. Oh, well, not yeah, the face love. of the earth.
0: <laughs> God's love only comes out of – you know what first and foremost is God's equity or God's judgment? God's love and hate are byproducts of his first is equity. Is judgment. And they don't like that, to put that first. They want to put God's love first. You know, right. they hate Romans nine. And if they even touch on Romans nine, they utterly destroy Romans nine. But you'll never, rarely hear a preacher pre oh, an Arminian preacher preach on Romans nine.
2: I heard uh is, I heard Adrian I mean, this, Rogers. Yeah. I heard Adrian Rogers preach on Romans nine, and he absolutely, pretty much blasphemed our Lord.
0: Of course, he's a, he's a staunch Arminian.
2: Yeah. So, are we ready? Well, you for know, that? The,
1: the, the, up the other side of that coin is that we have to look at that. Uh, that you saw. So we have uh, God's elect, and then there's the the children of wrath. The we look at someone like Moab, and we look at or present-day people that, uh, you know, you know, Hitler always comes to mind first for false people. uh, There's been many a wicked man. So the question then is, uh, why in God's sovereignty does he allow these wicked men
2: to rule the world? And again, you know, thank Thank the good Lord, he answered it again in Romans 9 because Pharaoh was a pretty wicked man. I mean, he was, you talk about him, mean, he shook his fist in the face of God Almighty. He didn't care what he put on the Israelites. I mean, had him go out and, you know, not only build bricks for him, but then made him go out and, and collect the straw to build the bricks. I mean, that's absolutely, um,
0: you know. Period, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> and Pharaoh was a wicked, wicked man. But according to uh, according to Paul, the reason that he did it was that his the Christ name might be declared throughout the whole earth, and the and the fact that we're having this conversation right now is still declaring it because of Pharaoh. So,
0: yeah. Amen. B- blessed be his name, our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Well, here's out there. What Chris uh, Christ brought up was judgment, and uh, coming to realize that. The first that are judged are his own people.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, judgment begins that. first in the house of the Lord.
1: That's right. Uh, what's your feelings about that, Joe? Um,
0: <laughs> Could
2: you state that again? Because I lost my train of thought.
1: Oh, this is this uh, Chris said. Uh, uh, the first that are judged are the, in the house of the Lord. And uh, we talk about judgment here, you know. You know, well, you know, everyone wants to talk about the nice, the nice side of, and the pleasant side, if you will. But there is the uh, um, there is the side that of uh, our God that you know He He. he He's ready to judge, too. I mean, he's merciful. Yes, he is.
2: But he's also willing to judge. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, I guess I am sort of in agreement with this interpretation of that passage, judgment shall begin at the house of the Lord. Okay? Uh, I think there's a difference between judgment and chastisement. Okay? Uh Uh, Judgment began at the house of the Lord when Christ died on the cross for his elect. Christ was judged for us. He became a sin bearer for us. So we will never be under the judgment of God. We'll be under the chastisement of God as His elect. Okay, He will chastise us, and and like I said earlier, our sins are a hindrance and stuff. But you know, God doesn't do double jeopardy. Okay, He doesn't He doesn't slay His Son and say, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And uh, I'll never remember them again, from the east is to the west, and then come and bring judgment on us against, again for those sins. I, I just don't, you know. And so I think judgment began at the house of the Lord when Christ said it is finished on the cross, and we 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 took on the imputed righteousness of Christ.
0: We took on the what of Christ?
2: Imputed righteousness.
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the substitutionary yeah. aspect yeah. of imputation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. beautiful, isn't it? A, yeah, a, a hard a hard nut for most to crack, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well. Um, don't like so that. then, so then, um, why raise up a man like Moab, or Hitler, or Stalin, or
2: Mao? or... Well, uh, Moab and Stalin and how well, they all appear, I mean, by all appearances, they were they were reprobate. They weren't elect. And so, um, back to the answer that Paul gives, you know, that his name, Jesus Christ's name, might be declared throughout the whole earth. Now, his declaration, when he declares himself, um, you know, he's declaring himself, uh, to the elect he's also declaring himself to the reprobate. it says that every tongue will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. okay now we know the answer to that that those who are in you know the God's elect through God's wonderful mercy and grace, have come to confess His name while we're yet living. He says, if you confess me for, before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. You know. Uh-huh. But every knee every knee will bow. <laughs> you know. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.
1: Well, Lord. One, of the things that, one, of the, one of the things I'm observing, too, though, is from the Old Testament and even to our present day, that a lot of these horrendous wars are in areas where there's extreme idolatry, extreme. Now, if you look at uh, Europe and being Roman Catholic through and through, Eastern Europe and Russia, uh, Eastern Orthodox, very pagan areas. Now, I want to say something about our country, because our country is riddled with pagan idolatry. From the border of Canada and and America, every mile having an obelisk milestone to every false image of Christ you can imagine, all uh, statues and churches of Mary and all that. One can only assume that if he's allowed this to happen over and over again, even in our own day, that we're not going to be exempt from this. As a country, we're not, to as to be, we're not going to be what exempt
2: from oh judgment. Well well, uh you you have to make a distinction again between those who are God's elect and those who are not. And I think the biggest problem is in our society we are so uh under the impression that there's a lot more elect than there are. We're gonna be exempt from it. I mean, in other words, uh, I'm not saying that uh, we won't, we couldn't, you know, uh, I'm not saying that God's judgment on the reprobate uh, couldn't affect God's elect. And I'm not saying that God's elect are not going to go through persecution because it's already happened. We see it in the Foxes Book of Martyrs and so on. But the difference is the reprobate is not going to be exempt from his judgment but the elect is going to be exempt from his judgment, his eternal judgment. And yes, True. the elect, the elect may be chastised, okay, for not uh, following, you know, not being obedient and taking a stand against evil and hiding their, you know, they're sticking their nose in the sand and all that stuff. But yet, at the same time, judgment, you know, can, denotes eternal. Uh, the eternal wrath of God. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, I do understand what
1: you're saying. Yeah. But the same token, though, uh, we do live in Babylon, and we do live in a very idolatrous part of the world.
2: And if,
1: if history has
2: anything to say about it,
1: it doesn't look too promising.
2: No, it's First. not. It's not promising at all. I mean, it's it's absolute. I mean, when you hear people say, you know, America's right for the judgment of God, they're right on. I mean, it, You know, I don't. I don't. See, my wife says this all the time. She goes, I don't see how God has restrained Himself this this long. She goes, I, I don't understand. She goes, I I can't figure it out. Well. In another place it says the long suffering of God leads us to repentance. So, you know, the only answer I have as a possibility is the only reason God has restrained his judgment on this nation is is for the elect who have not come yet to saving knowledge of Christ. Yeah
1: very good well this would probably be a good place to stop I know you wanted to do yeah. <laughs> the next one or oh, this would be a good place to stop because you know we have kind of focusing on this moab and uh, uh, wicked rulers and what the consequences of are, and uh, yeah. the next one is going to be the burden of Damascus
2: so, right. so. and I just want to say you know I, I hope I didn't overstate my case look I'm not against commentaries okay the only reason I'm a little, you know, maybe sensitive about that area is I've been in Bible studies where they'll bring, you know, uh, and, and I've talked with you about this this before, Michael, but, um, you know, they'll bring, you know, Gill's commentary, Matthew Henry's commentary, Spurgeon commentary, and pro- by the time they're finished, we're just totally confused. It's almost like bringing five different translations of the Bible, okay? Sure, sure. As far more as just, 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 I think as long as we give, like you did, I think as long as you give uh, uh, a short summation of the historical perspective without getting into subjective, you know, kind of uh, things, so sure. uh, we'll be Does that make sense? I mean, well, I anyway. totally agree with you. So,
1: and it's sure. just is more for geographical and uh, right, right, and uh, uh, historical context. So. That's and, good. Uh, that's something I was interested. in. So, uh, wasn't promoting that particular site at all. So,
2: no, I, I didn't take it that way at all. No, I just, but of course, as you noticed, I immediately wanted to know where it was so I could check it out. So,
1: sure, start, I'm, I'm
2: kind of a Berean kind of a guy,
1: you know. So, <laughs>
2: it's good
1: to be a kind of a Berean kind of guy
2: as yeah. we're supposed to
0: be. So,
1: okay, gentlemen, we can stay on, but I'm just going to end the recording now.
0: So all right. Thank you. How are you doing today, Michael?
1: Well I can try to end this. put uh, oh. all my personal problems out. <laughs>
0: well you're not alone. We you know Sorry reason won't let me end. <laughs>